Hi, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, February 16th, sponsored by 42 Bar and Table at the Clinton Center. On today's edition, we're going to talk about Governor Hutchinson's tax cut promises, guns, Medicaid, and pharmacists, and the Babe Bracket. That yawn you hear in the background is Max Brantley. Babe Bracket, unquote. The, the quote unquote bait bracket. Yes. yes. So the fiscal session opened this week with a state of the state speech by Governor Hutchinson, who, among other things, said he wanted to reduce the top marginal state tax rate from 6.9% to 6% in 2019. Well, what's the old saying? If uh, wishes and what is it? ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Isn't that the old, the old <laughs> cliche? Well, Asa Hutchinson had a state of the state to the opening session, uh, opening speech of the legislative session, and said things are great. We've got lots of jobs, everything just perking along. I mean, his leadership has produced something very nearly equivalent to paradise on earth. But not only that, in uh, 2019, the next regular session of the legislature, after the election that's going to happen in November this year, things are going to get even better because he's going to whack the income tax. Uh, he hopes to, to drop the top state tax rate from 6.9% to 6%. It currently kicks in at $77,400. And by the way, under our curious tax plan, in a two-earner family, that effectively means the tax rate doesn't kick in until $154,000 because uh, you can file separately on the same return. Have we got a, there you go. We got a problem here? I'll fix it. All right. Okay. Well, so anyway, uh, well, and I'm sure the legislature would love to cut taxes. Well, here's a couple of things about that. That tax cut would cost what he estimates is $180 million. That would be a 3% cut in the entire state budget. Uh, is in a year's time or two years' time our economy going to grow so much that we can absorb a 3% cut in the state budget? I don't think so, certainly not given the tremendous uncertainty about the future for Medicaid and how much we're going to pay for and what will happen if we lose the 70 or $80 million of benefits that flow to the state from enjoying the Medicaid expansion. That is, there's a premium tax. There are people who go to work and pay taxes on their work. Uh, that's one thing. We don't have enough money to pay for the highway department now. They're looking for ways to raise money. Uh, they don't think a tax increase is possible. They want to steal general revenue money. The colleges are getting a reduced percentage of their operating costs from the state. The UAMS Med Center is nearly bankrupt. I really think... We can't afford new parole probation officers. We, we've got... Division of Youth Services We've got youth services, services centers where they can't buy soap. Uh, I mean, we could go on and on and on and on. I think it's absolutely a pipe dream to talk about that kind of an income tax cut. But it sounds really good. The other thing about it is, is if you really examine the numbers, and he put out some cook numbers on what the benefit would be to higher income people on that, and he, he dramatically understated what the real truth about this tax cut would be, which is that millionaires, it would be just a god amazing windfall for rich people. Uh, something like a thousand people who make more than a, a million dollars a year would get oh 15 percent of the tax cut. Uh, people who make over a hundred thousand dollars a year would get 80 percent of the tax cut. 
Uh, and he would say, well, sure, shouldn't they? I mean, they're paying a lot, right? And he, and Job he, creators. And, of course, and they're calling this a 0.9% drop in taxes, but that's not how it works. It's actually a 14% tax cut, 0.9 versus 6.9 is 14% of that figure. So a 14% tax cut for Jim Walton up at uh, Bentonville, it might literally be worth, he may make a billion dollars a year. He's worth, he and his family that live up there are worth $100 billion. They get 3% a year off their Walmart stock alone. This tax cut for them could be worth tens of millions of dollars. So, but of course, they're on his campaign finance committee. So sure. uh, it's not too surprising. One interesting thing, Jim Endren, who's a key player in the Senate and is a nephew of the governor and is leading this tax reform so-called study task force, he said, you know, maybe the income tax isn't where we want to go. I mean, maybe what we want, because after all, you cut the income tax, that comes straight out of the state's pocket. He said, maybe we ought to look at removing corporate inventories from the property tax. Well, yeah, that would save corporations a ton of money and guess where that would come out of? You know who the main beneficiaries of property taxes schools, are, don't you? Yeah. Public schools. And everybody knows they're just a washing money, and so why not take $100 million from them? You know, I, I don't know. My sarcasm, I hope, is obvious. Uh, uh, this is a poor state that has never done what it should do for its people in terms of public services. There's a reason we're last in nearly everything. And, and I, I think turning this into a Valhalla for the tech industry is not going to be done by beggaring the state. I, I just don't think it will. But but I'm, you know, one of those terrible contrarians or liberals mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it. So what I know. Well, let's talk about our sponsor, 42 Barn Table. Let's do. Great uh, restaurant, and also it provides catering uh, services down in the Clinton Library, which is a great place to go because unlike a lot of places downtown, they got parking. But anyway, they're open for lunch six days a week and dinner from Thursday through Saturday night, which is a new deal in their newly renovated digs. I was looking on the menu today. I think at lunch I would have had a, a fried chicken wrap with candied pepper bacon. That sounded pretty good. But if you're going to dinner tonight, how about the southern fried chicken biscuit? It's a big old cat head buttermilk biscuit full of fried chicken, house pickles, and honey mustard. They call it an appetizer. It's probably an appetizer for somebody my size. It's probably enough for two little people, I would say. Maybe some lobster bisque. Maybe some mm. sesame-crusted tuna. Maybe some oso buco on a cold night. Uh, anyway, it's good, and they got a full bar, and the bar's open until midnight. All right. Go there. Tell them we sent you. So uh, as the nation reels over yet another gun massacre, this one in a Florida high school where 17 people were killed, much of the talk of the legislature this week was about guns and specifically our uh, concealed carry everywhere. Uh, yeah, yeah, we you were. Know. We were, no. Quickly, let us say we were not talking about doing anything about gun violence. Oh no, we were, no, no. We, we were talking about making sure there are more guns in more places, including in college dormitories. Yeah. Well, we passed Charlie Collins' terrible legislation in 2017 that said if you get an enhanced concealed carry permit, you can now go places with your gun that you couldn't go before, particularly college campuses, but also bars, also the courthouses of Arkansas, also the, the state capitol, believe it or not. And uh, But it was a poorly written law. In addition to being bad on any number of grounds, it was poorly written. It, it said that you couldn't store a weapon in a dorm, 
but it didn't seem to prohibit you walking through a dorm or having one in your possession. So I guess as long as you're sleeping with your rod or carrying it down the hall to the shower or wherever they have showers these days, maybe they're all in your rooms now, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's okay to have a gun. Well, some people might not want their roommates to have concealed weapons, if you have the permit, of course. And so there's the Democrats and in, in a couple of them, Greg Letting and, and Will Bond, have seen this as an opportunity to change the law and make it clear that you can't take a gun into a dormitory. Well, Trent Garner's not going to have anything out. We're not safe until there are just guns everywhere. And he also wants to clean something up that has the gun gun. Uh, training people unhappy, which is that the new law requires all people who do the testing for these permits to do both the basic permit and the advanced permit. I'm led to believe this is something to do with they don't think they get enough money for doing the advanced permit, and I'm not sure what the objection is. This isn't really a gun control issue. This is some regulatory issue. But that's apparently going to be held off till a regular session. But uh, there is no talk. Of course, it's a budget session. They can't do anything about a two-thirds vote. But, you know, if there was ever a time to talk about an extraordinary reason to change the rules, it would be now. There are things we could do. We could we could follow some states and, and enforce a background check on private sales that the federal government won't do. We could uh, try to ban uh, assault weapons, uh, sale of them in the state. We could say people who are convicted of domestic violence uh, couldn't have weapons. There are a lot of things we could do, but this is dreaming in Never Never Land, of course, in Arkansas. But I just got through typing up a news release from Gwen Combs, who's a Democratic candidate for Congress in the 2nd District. And uh, she's an Air Force veteran, qualified to use an M16, has guns in her home. And wow, she says she's for all kinds of solid gun control, including a ban on semi-automatic weapons. So she's out there. She said... She won't take money from the NRA, and uh, she's for any. She's for a gun, end of the gun show loophole, uh, all kinds of tight, very specific gun uh, measures. Uh, good for her. Clark Tucker yesterday, a Democratic candidate, issued a statement that said, "It's time to do more than thoughts and prayers. It's time for common sense action." He he referenced some of the the results of things of semi-automatic weapons, but he didn't make any specific proposals. Uh, it's a pretty good opening for a Democratic candidate insofar as the fact that French Hill, the Republican incumbent, is the NRA's biggest friend in the House of Representatives. He's received more money than any of the 435 members of the House from the NRA. So there's that. It remains to be seen, however, if guns... Why Why is that? Why? why well, I think... I think the big money came to him when he faced Pat Hayes in his first race. And Pat Hayes was a strong candidate, had a good record, had a lot of money, had some good ads, and I think the NRA saw Pat Hayes as somebody who would not be friendly to their agenda and that French Hill would be, and they spent a ton in that election to get him elected. I noticed that and, he, and, he, and he does not... His statement was thoughts and prayers after the slaughter. He didn't use the word gun in any way, shape, or form because we all know guns don't kill people. Right. Yeah, I noticed that Austin Bailey uh, with Moms Men Action tweeted or put on social media somewhere that she was out at the Capitol and a lawmaker asked her what law could have stopped what, what happened in Florida. Rhetorically. Well, you know, that that's that's a 
a logical fallacy, of course, and you know, no law can stop anything. By that, by that theory, we should have an anarchy and no laws whatsoever. But if if we'd had, we we do know from experience that states with stronger gun laws have lower rates of gun violence. They have lower rates of accidental gun deaths. Australia passed a, 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 an assault weapons ban after a massacre there in 1996. They had a drop that's since leveled off in homicides, but they've had an overall decrease in, in gun crimes. They've had a an end of mass gun homicides, which is, say, that would be nice. Could You know, if we only had straight single homicides and no more mass homicides, I'd call that an improvement. So if, if that law would stop a mass school slaughter, I'm willing to give it a try. Yeah. Uh, what, what idiots. Uh, really, what idiots, really. Exhausting. Friends of... Pharmacists filed a measure this week to hamper the pharmacy benefit managers from holding down costs on prescriptions. Uh, you've you've heard from folks who are saying that that the people behind this bill uh, may be willing to shut down the whole Medicaid appropriation. Well, they, they don't they, get their they, they are saying, uh, and Ron Caldwell Wynn said that he may hold up the budget bills if they can't get something done about the pharmacy benefit managers. You know, this is an, an issue I do not fully understand. I should say that ben, ben, Benji Hardy is writing about this as we speak for the Arkansas Nonprofit News Network, so maybe we'll understand I, better I, next I week. So. I mean, I do know this. I don't think there's any doubt that the pharmacy benefit managers who apparently set the rates for which for reimbursements for drugs that are provided to people covered by the Medicaid expansion have been tightening the screws and reducing to save money, and that's that's to make... The money, the government money, go farther. The the pharmacists say, and they say it's not just the small town pharmacists, but the big chains too. That the reimbursements are so low that they're caused to lose money on some some prescriptions. Now, I think in the business, you know, Walmart years ago went into a deal where we, we won't charge more than four dollars for any generic. I don't know if they make money or lose money at that rate, but they have some drugs they make a lot more money on, and some of it is kind of a loss leader kind of thing. I don't understand the business, but. I'm willing to believe them that this is putting them in a tight spot. A lot of these people depend heavily on on the Medicaid expansion uh, population for their business. Well, <laughs> of course, the problem is if we kill the Medicaid expansion, then they don't have any business at all. They're, they have no drugs they make a profit on. So I, I, I don't know, but I, I hope Benji can provide some illumination on this because I need some. Yeah, I think it's I think what the pharmacy benefit manager does is it it it's contracted with a private insurer like Blue right, Cross, Blue Cross, right? And uh, the only reason this is an issue is because of the unusual way, the unique way that we do Medicaid expansion that people have although, private insurance. Although there are problems with. Uh, these benefit managers all over the country. Yeah. Our, our difference is, I but guess, it's, it's, is that the government money is paying for the private right, insurance. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's it. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, hopefully next week we'll have some illumination. So the, quote, babe bracket, end quote, a beauty contest for women journalists that the Buzz 103.7 has put on for years became an issue last week in the governor's race after – Governor Hutchinson gave an, an on-air um, interview about it where he— A rare, really dumb remark by Asa Hutchinson, yeah, that, usually pretty careful. That he then walked back. But then uh, it got into the news again this week when there was this really great hashtag, uh, more than a babe, on Twitter from 
female journalists and and some men chiming in too, uh, just talking about their qualifications and achievements and 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 all sorts of stuff. Well, you know, th- this term I, I urge people to go to more than a babe hashtag more than a babe on Twitter, and it, it's still growing because I not only does it this really it's about to me much more than the fact that there's a radio station gimmick in town where they rate women on their looks i mean that that's on its face i think is probably past its prime that idea but what this ends up illustrating is is a much larger problem i mean women still are judged by how they look more so than men are they endure treatment in the world and in the workplace that men do not endure. And men don't get it. Men men say, you should not feel this way about my wanting to make comments about how you look. And, and I think that's the utter obtuseness of the radio station and of the men that support them, that, that they don't get to decide how a woman feels about something, you know, but but they seem to insist on continuing to want to and want to say, no, you should see this my way. The mansplaining, as the women call it, has been been kind of wonderful to see the men kind of say, well, you, you just don't get it. It's this or that. And and particularly because, you know, the, the women that have chimed in have, you know, any number of incredible qualifications and achievements and, and all that sort of thing. But also, some of them have shared some of the things they endure, and it shows why this little radio context is so bad. One of them did a screenshot of some of the comments she gets from from viewers about, woo-wee, you're hot, man, I'd like some of that, that kind of thing. And and if there's any doubt that a contest that, that promotes rating women on air by how they look doesn't contribute and enable that kind of, that kind of comment... People are just crazy. The other thing is about this is that that's been a, a favorite angle of mine is PC political correctness. The buzz's defense is anybody who criticizes them is just engaging in political correctness. Well, what political correctness the ar- political correctness argument is a cover for bigotry, misogyny, racism, and and bad manners. What it is, and Donald Trump has enabled it. And it is now that if I want to say somebody is a N-word, if I want to say they're an F-word because of their sexual orientation, if I want to say they're fat, which I am, if they want to say I have a disability that's okay to make fun of, which I have, it's okay. And if you object, it's politically correct. I should be able to say whatever I want to say. And Donald Trump has given flower to this, and this radio station just promotes it every day that that it's okay now to just be as offensive as you want to be to somebody and you know i'd I'd like somebody to go in and and tell one of these radio hosts girlfriends or sisters or daughters or wives hey babe you're hot nice nice tatas i mean i mean really no i mean i mean really well, anyway, they've invited me to be on this week, so we should. When see. are you going to be on? Uh, Seven a.m. Wednesday, unless they unless they hear this and withdraw my invitation. <laughs> I, the, the station has already broken its business relationships with us because of my unkind comments on this. You know, I think. I mean, I do think these guys are mostly nice guys. I, don't, I mean, I, I don't mean to say they're Adolf Hitler or anything, but there's just a cluelessness a blind about spot. it. I mean, um, I mean, you know, you don't you don't get to pinch a woman on the butt and say, hey. I'm really a nice guy. I didn't mean any harm by that. Right. All right. Well, let's leave it there and tune in on Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, so what do you got to endorse this week? Oh, well, how about uh, Netflix's Babylon Berlin? Have you heard about that? No. Well, it's it's actually in its second season. I just read about it in New York Times, so we started watching it. It's uh, it's it's Germany's supposedly first high dollar TV production, and it's uh, it's kind of a police deal in Weimar Germany, which is about 1929. But they've spent a fortune on it, costumes and antique trams, and created this nightclub that existed at the time. And it's about drugs and crime and and the underworld of prostitution and pornography, but it's also about the rising nationalist movement and the communist movement that was underway at the same time. And it's just the the lead character, somewhat reminiscent of the madman lead somehow, kind of looks a little bit like him, but it's uh, it's in subtitles, so you got to pay attention, but it's it's kind of a, a gorgeous noir German presentation. I love these things that take you somewhere else in a different culture. So it's good. That sounds great. Yeah, Netflix, it, it can be so hard to find new stuff like that. I mean, they will really promote certain things, but uh, you, you sometimes have to dig. Yeah, I mean, they're just, for some reason, it's suddenly been reviewed. And so we read something about it, but it turns out it's in its second season. There are 10, 10 episodes in the first season, which we're about to finish, and they've the second one's already completed now. So, huh. so we're behind. But they spent like forty million dollars or something for the. They created this nightclub set that's just you know, mocha, efty. That's just fabulous, just in its own right. Uh, I'll do two quick ones. One, maybe I did this recently. I don't know. My mind's gone to mush. But Blue Planet Two, the uh, the BBC series, is fantastic. Um, especially if you have kids uh, who like animals and marine life. Uh, you know, they have these just crazy cameras, and they go everywhere, including um, to the, the depths of the ocean um, where it's just pitch black. And yeah. Um, um, they get some of those really weird things that live oh way down. They, they have st- stuff down there that's just crazy. It is nuts, nuts. Uh, yeah, over and over, just say this can't be real you didn't know they existed right there was a i can't remember what it's called uh um has a funny name but there's a fish that uh lives uh in reef land and it hypnotizes crabs by sort of pulsating in its body and changing colors and the crabs just sort of get entranced and then it eats them (laughs) Sounds good. That's great. You see some cute otters, too, and stuff, surely. You see some cute sea life, surely. It's surely. Not yet, but I'm All sure right. it'll come. Uh, the other one is the Arkansas Times Musician Showcase in its umpteenth year, 27th or something, uh, is ongoing. I used to, It used to be my responsibility to put it all together, and um, I'm glad that it is not and needed a few years to kind of not go or do anything with it, but I'm... I've gone every time. It was, was done. We've done three rounds, and I think there are two more to go. And then there's the finals in March. But super fun. It's at Stickies every week, Thursday night. Five dollars gets you in, and you get to see just a great range of local music. Last night, uh, the the two I saw no, I saw three bands. One, the first one that ended up winning was a band of high schoolers. Uh, the drummers was 14 i think wow. the lead singer was 16 sabine valley great real up-and-coming uh, group uh i think they may have won on the strength of their crowd vote so they had a bunch of people that came out and then 
all the way Korean uh, from Hot Springs that uh, Bill Solider has been in a ton of excellent bands. Um, that was their first Little Rock show and they were fantastic. He's just a great showman and, and I know they will be back a bunch so make sure you check them out and come out next Thursday. We've got another another uh, good lineup. So thanks for listening. Subscribe via iTunes or you know what? I, that's something that I recommend. The Apple podcasting software is garbage and I finally just couldn't deal with it and I got a new podcasting app and I can't remember what it's called. Um, I just went on. It's called Overcast and it's so much better. So subscribe to us in Overcast or iTunes or whatever you like and leave us a rating and review. It helps people find us. And whatever you do, get to 42. 42 and tell them that we sent you. Tell them we sent you. Have a drink. See ya.